Okay, today on the show, I'm joined by writer Peter McKenna, who you probably know from the TV series, Ken. Peter, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Lovely to meet you, Morris. Yeah, lovely to meet you, man. It's it's grand to finally connect anyway. I could have been working on this since last year, since the, the show came out and stuff. And congratulations on it before we started. I really enjoyed it. Well, thanks a million. And I suppose one of the reasons I was probably holding off to see if there was going to be a second season and it probably gives us more to talk about. So it, it, the show had ended and it was probably felt, let's wait and see what's happening in the new year. Yeah. And then we can have a chat. Did you have any inclinations that it mightn't happen? We just didn't know. It's kind of, it's probably different than a lot of other shows I've worked on insofar as like it's mainly funded. There's like RTE have been in from the beginning and they're they're brilliant to work with and all that and they've been really supportive. But a lot of the money comes from America and it comes from AMC, which is our broadcaster in America. So for us to come back, we had to perform for them um, on their platform and, you know, deliver for them. Yeah. And although it did really well in Ireland and it got loads of publicity and it was, you know, really popular and all that, that doesn't really matter to them at all. Like they're just, so we had to wait, we had to wait till uh, we had broadcast, we had to wait for another kind of like a month or two afterwards to see what kind of, how we were building audience, how many new subscribers we brought in for them. And then they made a decision before Christmas. So yeah. we got the good news down. So we just weren't sure. Like I was writing away and I'd started to write the, the beginning of the show, but you, you just don't know till, till you're actually told you're coming back. It's, it's a bit of a limbo. Yeah. Does that influence your writing for a show, knowing that you have to kind of counterbalance with the American audience as well, rather than just the Irish one? Um, kind of, not not hugely. They haven't re like honestly, like um, there's probably a little bit of you that's kind of aware that you know it's going to go out in America, and more of the pressure I feel is that like you know you wanted to look good on an American station, you wanted to look like you know it's an expensive, well produced show that's well acted and all that. So that's more the, the pressure in terms of things like. Do we have to change the story to make it more Americanized? No. Do we have to change the language to make it more Amer Americanized? No. Now, you know, so we 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 didn't water anything down or anything like that. And we are on a on a on a on a, a subscription network, AMC, and they show Gangs of London, The Walking Dead, Better Call Saul, uh, Mad Men, Breaking Bad. So they they have a lot of shows that are kind of like gangstery with violence and cursing and all that. So there was, there's none of that has ever imposed on me at all. But I suppose setting out, having worked on lots of our shows and I'd worked on Red Rock and I'd worked on, it, it was a slightly different mindset, just thinking this has to succeed in America rather than we have to, do you know what I mean? Like it yeah. was just like, just have to be more ambitious and we have to kind of aim bigger to make sure the show doesn't feel maybe small when it goes over there, that it feels you know that it feels like it fits in with all their other shows and it doesn't feel like you know something you know that, that doesn't belong there so that was mainly it was in terms of ambition and scale and the amount of money we put in and stuff like that but in terms of language or storyline or anything no. yeah did it put any extra pressure on you and the and the crew like knowing that you had to that it was going to be shown in america as well well, certainly I felt extra pressure. I, do, I can't speak for the crew. I suppose they come, they do the job. Like there'd be certain members of the crew that would, I'm sure the directors, you know, we were all like, we were all conscious of it. And I certainly was conscious of it. And I was conscious, like no matter how well it was doing here or how well the figures were here for Ken, 
that there was another kind of bridge to be crossed and there was another thing we had to knock down. But I was also really kind of like, I suppose I've been writing a long time. I've been writing 25 years now. Uh, if you'd asked me, like, say, 10 years ago, you're going to have this situation where you're writing your own show and it's going to be on AMC. Like, uh, there is pressure, but it's also kind of the dream in a way. It's kind of like, you know, I, I watch lots of sports and I love sports, but you hear athletes saying, you know, like, of course there's pressure playing in a big occasion, but this is what we play for. And I kind of feel the same. Like, th th there's a pressure writing for AMC and being in America and, and competing with American shows. But this is why I became a writer, to kind of write shows that would show in Ireland, but would also travel around the world and would have a wider audience. So it's that kind of thing that kind of it's exciting, but it's a little bit scary. Uh, but fortunately, it did really well. And we are back and we can do it again. And we can kind of maybe learn from, well, not learn, well, yes, learn and do things like maybe we can do things better. Things I think we could have pushed harder, done a better job in the first season. We can, we can really address them. now. So it's great. Yeah. It's really, really good. When you came up with the initial idea for the show, how long ago was that? And was it, was it a case where that you were writing it specifically for Irish television or how did the idea come about? Well, it's, it's a long and convoluted process, which I'm, I won't go into the, the gore, but there was another show beforehand that yeah. had been developed by, by, by a director and a writer called Kieran Donnelly. And I worked on that in a room with him and with a number of writers. And that had been developed to a certain degree and it had gone to market and it hadn't succeeded. So I had written some of the scripts, but it had been like someone else's idea and they brought it to market and there wasn't enough kind of interest, I guess, to make it like, you know. So then having invested money in the show, Bron came back then and said, look, you know, what would you like to write? Do you want to write your own show or your own version of it? And so having started off in that, then they said to me, what is it you'd like to write? And I said, I'd like to write a show about an Irish family, a criminal family. And that was about 2018. So probably once that decision was made, it probably took about a year and a half, 18 months to get into production, which is quite quick. Like, yeah. you know, like shows can be in development for a long time. So it was probably about an 18 months. That was about May and then we were in production, I suppose, the October, the year afterwards. So it's, it was about like 18 months later, it took. Yeah. And I was still writing the show when we started into production. So there was eight episodes, and I was still writing episodes seven and eight while we were filming. So the first the first few episodes had a lot of time to write. And then as it went on, it gets quicker and quicker. Yeah. And in terms of the cast that you had, you had a fantastic cast, a lot of great actors yeah, and, brilliant, and, brilliant. and a lot of familiar faces as well. Like what yeah. was the, were they people that you picked yourself or what was the process in getting someone say, say like a, that Eamon that was in it, like he was a great actor. Eamon Cunningham. Yeah. Or, well, he was, it's funny, he was the first person we cast and I was working with an American studio and we'd written a show and that character of, of Eamon Cunningham, they had said to me, like, who would you like? Who's your dream casting? And I had said Kieran Hines. Because, like, Kieran Hines is an actor I'd watched over the years. I think, like, he's amazing. I, like, I'd have seen him on stage. I'd have seen him in films. Like, I've never seen him be bad in anything. And he was somebody, like, you know, if you're talking about heroes, he would be a hero of mine. And they said, look, we'll get him for you. And the exact, the, the kind of, the head of TV in Braun in America got on a plane, went to London where he was in a play, where Kieran was in a play, met him backstage, talked to him, and began to develop a relationship. 
show. And he agreed to do the show. So it was, so he was the very first person we cast on the show. So he was the, the beginning. And I guess having Kieran, when we met other actors then we were going, well, we've got Kieran Hines. And that all already felt like a kind of like, you know, a badge of quality. Like it said something about the show that Kieran Hines and it enabled us to get more people on board and all that kind of stuff. So he was the first. And then with like Charlie Cox, um, who plays Michael. Yeah, great actor as well. He had just finished Daredevil and his wife is an executive producer in the company that make it Braun. And she had the scripts at home and he read the scripts and really wanted to do it. And he spoke to myself and he spoke to Kieran uh, and we chatted to him and he said, yeah, he's going to do it. Now, he was being offered shows for a lot more money in America. And uh, and I think it's... Truthfully, I think his agents were probably thinking, you know, why are you doing a small Irish show when you could be doing these other shows? But he stuck with us and he committed to us and he kind of took a pay cut to come to Ireland to bring his family and live here to do this show. So he committed then. And then we began to kind of gather other actors in. Like we cast Claire Dunn. We'd been looking for like uh, an Amanda. We'd spoken to different people and it didn't work out. And then COVID happened. And things began to kind of slightly change a little bit because because of COVID, some actors were back in Ireland who weren't planning to be here. Like Aidan Gillen, who plays Frank, he was meant yeah. to do The Fate Healer, which was just on, and that was postponed. So he wasn't available. I don't think Maria Doyle Kennedy was available either till, till uh, COVID happened. And then she became available. So those are two actors. And Claire, we got sent, it was before herself was released, but we got sent by her agent, we'd spoken to the agent about another actor who wasn't available. And the, the agent said, look, what about Claire Dunn? And I was going, well, I haven't really seen her and none of us had. And they sent herself and I sat down with my wife and daughter and we watched the link on a Friday night. And my, I was sat with my wife and my wife went, you've got her, that, 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 that's Amanda. And she felt right immediately. And like, so things like that begin to slot into place. Um, like the guy who plays Viking auditioned for Jimmy and he was just a bit young, but he it's like Sam is such brilliant energy. Yeah. And we just we were going, and truthfully, probably Viking was a little bit younger beforehand, but we made Viking older so we could cast Sam and Emmett auditioned as well. And you know, we were really, really lucky. We got and and then we 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 went after Nikita, uh, which was a hard one because we had a very specific idea of what we wanted. And we were we used Louise Kylie, who's a brilliant casting agent, and I'd worked with her on uh, Red Rock, and she had cast normal people, and she's like just on conversation with a friend. She's brilliant and she's lovely to work with. But we'd looked at an actress who was still in college in Ireland, who got cast as a lead in a BBC show, and she wasn't available to us anymore. And then we were back to square one, and we looked at lots of other people, but nobody felt quite right. And Louise Kylie had said, she said, look, about five years ago, I was at a a youth production or youth theatre production or an audition in Cabra in Dublin. And there was this girl, I remember she was involved in music and she had like Instagram followers and all that. And her name was Yasmin Seki. And she goes, she's disappeared off the scene. She goes, I might try and see if I can find her. She'd be perfect for like, she's what you're looking for, for Nikita. So I said, brilliant. So she tracked her down to Facebook and she sent her a message. And she said, would you be interested in auditioning or self-taping and putting in? And she did. And she was like, she hadn't acted before. She'd given up completely, but she was just amazing on screen. Like, you know, like she just like, you know, you find yourself looking at her all the time. She just had that 
you know, X Factor in front of uh, camera. Yeah. And then when we, we, she did an audition and she did brilliant. And then when we began to talk to her and we discovered she was working in the bank. And we said, well, what are you going to do? And she goes, well, I suppose I could ask for time off. So she went into her official, her boss in the bank. They gave her time off. She worked on the show. And then we wrapped on a Friday. She went back to the bank the following Monday. Uh, so it was a mix of people like that from, from like Yasmin, who really hadn't acted, to people like Kieran Hines, who were done like so many things. So it was a real mix of different ages, different experience. But the one thing, and if, if you were to ask me, what do I think we did best, or what's the strongest part of Ken? I would say it's our cast. We have yeah. a brilliant cast. It's really, yeah. really, it's, it's really strong. That's that's one thing that absolutely stands out. It's the cast, and everyone just seems to fit in perfectly into yeah. their roles as well. When you're writing a story like that, obviously there was a lot of comparisons to real life shenanigans with drug yeah. gangs and stuff like that but how much of this can you kind of do you have to try and extract from real life to get it across as this is how things happen in this world in ireland a little like a bit like i, I suppose one of the reasons i i i wrote this subject is because it's a subject that interests me like yeah. it's something like for if i was listening to podcasts i would also listen to Nicola Talent's kind of crime world. Uh, you know, like a year or two, my, my daughter would have bought me the Paul Williams uh, Cherry Hutch book for Christmas and I'd read it by like, you know, the end of Stephen's Day, that kind of thing. So I find it interesting. I'd always been a an interested in the world. I'd always kind of, it's something, and then like also I'd watch TV shows, like I watch The Sopranos, I watch, you know, Gamara, Peaky Blinders. I, many of my favorite films are in this. So there is, there is a part of me that, that reads and enjoys doing it. Uh, so I wanted to be kind of truthful. But what I didn't want to do was portray it exactly. Because yes. what, I, what we wanted to do truthfully was do a slightly heightened world. And like we didn't want to do it where it's set in areas where there's like, you know, terrible social deprivation, where, where a lot of this world does play out in real life, where there, you know, and I didn't want to play the kind of images we've seen of, of, of gangland Ireland before, where, which is kind of like, you know, horses on wasteland and, you know, you know, the houses boarded up. And that, that was just a choice we made in terms of how we were going to present the show and the world. So we always knew that the world of the Kinslets is slightly heightened. It's like they're in they're in beautiful houses, they wear nice clothes, they look really good. And we tried to shoot places in Dublin um, that didn't, you know, that hadn't been seen loads and loads of times. And they weren't the kind of the, 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 the standard uh, gangster show locations. So those were choices. But then I suppose, and you can see it in the show, the show is about a feud between a smaller family and a bigger cartel. And there's obviously kind of, there's there's resonances with true, real life, even though none of the characters in the show bear any resemblance to real life characters. Like you, you couldn't pick a character and say that's X from from yeah. the pages of the papers. We didn't do that, but there are resonances, and there were things like the kind of thing where you'd have like one of the things that kind of interested me, I suppose, about reading about Gangland in Dublin was like the the small details, like having a police on your 
on your streets 24 hours a day for three years on end, not being able to leave your house without wearing a bulletproof vest, that kind of thing of kind of like every time you leave your house, you're in danger of being shot when you're in a feud against a bigger organization and things like that, I would have kind of used. And again, in season two, there's stuff from real life, like incidences and kind of like, I suppose, instances and research I would have done, I would draw on. Yeah. But truthfully, we wanted to create a world that was its own world, if you know what I mean. So it wasn't yeah. a copy. And it isn't like I just pulled things off the papers and turned it into an episode. We wanted to create this family and the dramas about this family. It want, it's, it's supposed to feel kind of truthful, but it's not exactly. It's not like a documentary. You don't watch this and learn how Gangland works. I think like, truth, like Gangland is different, but we made a choice to make this slightly more heightened. Yeah. That, I'm not sure that answers your question. No, no, yeah, it does. And another thing that like struck me during when the show came out, I seen a lot of people that were complaining, a bit of negative publicity about, uh, oh, this is glamorizing uh, the gang world and stuff like that. And like, I completely disagree with it because I, I look at it from the perspective as like, this is going on in real life. And whilst you alluded to, this is not exactly how it's going on this is going on and you're kind of highlighting what's going on in society, whether people want to believe it or not. And that was my opinion. But of course the world is different now as well. And you get a lot yeah. of people giving out about various things, but I just thought that uh, I just didn't understand why people were giving out about it because like you could sweep it under the carpet all you want, but this is, this is what happens. Well, I don't like truthfully. And like, again, I'm, I'm saying this as somebody who watches like the Sopranos are good. Films. Yeah. And both those shows, you see the kind of the crack of being a gangster. Like, so you watch Goodfellas and like you go through their life and they have a great life. It's dangerous and violent, but you kind of think these guys have the best life in the world and all that. And there's a bit of that in the, in the Sopranos as well. Like you see the guys hanging out and the crack, like what we tended not to do with Ken and, you know, was we tended to, I, this is the way I don't think we, we glamorized this. We never made their life look like fun. To me, their yeah. life looked like hell. Like they were always under pressure. There was none of the crack of being a gangster. It was always the downsides, the grief, the threat, the violence, the infighting. So like, like there isn't many moments. And, and, and I became conscious that maybe I'd kind of gone too far that way, that there wasn't enough of the humor and the kind of like fun in the show as a whole, that what we constantly showed was like the consequences of crime. Like when, like the guilt they feel, the grief they feel when their family are, they like how it splits up relationships, all the trauma yeah. that they live through. So, like I never felt we were glamorizing it in in any in any meaningful way. If you were to argue we were glamorizing it, is that they're possibly the cast are good looking and they're dressed well and their houses are nice. But when once you get beyond that really superficial kind of exterior, you begin to see these people are not having a good life. Yeah. Like they may look, and that was the whole point. And one of the things that really interests me about this world is like when I do research is like there is the whole kind of like all the money they have, the holidays, the Instagram, the lifestyle they live. But once you begin to re read about these families, like they have so much trauma in their lives, like they have brothers who were killed, dads who were in jail, you know, relatives have died of overdoses, you know, it's a really, really kind of like high trauma, high kind of, you know, casualty life and i wanted a bit of that in in kin like you know it may look like it's glamorous but truthfully the lives that these people live are really really kind of awful 
you know, like it's not like I don't look at Ken and go, I'd like to swap my life for their life. Yeah. And that's and I think that's the bottom line. Um, you know, so so I never felt we were glamorizing it at all, truthfully. Yeah, nor did I. And it was kind of like they're always kind of looking over their shoulders as well. Like exactly. it's not it's not really a a fun There's time. No fun. There's no fun. Yeah. Did you have fun making it with that cast? Um, well, like I did. The problem with the, like and, and look, I don't want to whine or give out a bit of stuff. We yeah. made it. We start. We started shooting as like on the Friday before. We started shooting on on a Monday, and we were going into the second major lockdown in October on the on that weekend. Yeah. And until Friday night at like six thirty, we didn't know if we were going to be allowed to film on the Monday. And then we got like we knew we could tell because of the papers and Neffet and everything there was going to be a lockdown. We could see it coming, but we didn't know if we'd be allowed to go. So we were all ready to go, not knowing if we'd shoot. We got a letter giving us permission, as all the productions did at the time, to shoot. Um, so then we we shot under COVID, really strict COVID restrictions. We wore masks. Like usually in the course of shooting something, there is fun, as you said. You yeah. go for a drink, you have a coffee with people. There was none of that. Like I, I didn't go out socially with with kind of anyone. Like during the whole course of the show, I also lived in Dublin in a flat. And my family, my wife and son were in Kilkenny and my daughter was in college in, Dub in Dublin. But I didn't see anyone. I didn't see anyone because I was afraid of catching COVID or bringing it on set. So like I kind of live like a hermit. I did nothing. I was really thrilled to be shooting it. I was really thrilled to have this show I'd written that I really liked to be getting made. And I was really excited about the kind of the caliber of like the crew the caliber of the directors, the producers, everybody, and the cast. So that was really exciting. But the process itself was not, like, it wasn't as much fun as normal. There was no rap party. You know, at the end of these shoots, yeah. often you have a party. We had no rap party. We were actually, actually, the last the last shoot we had was down in Shannon Airport, where we shot Dublin Airport on one half of Shannon Airport and the Spanish Airport on the other half. We dressed one as a Spanish Airport and one, and we shot it all down there. In, Great job. We went every night. And we stayed in a hotel, and it was the first time during the shoot we'd gone away and stayed in a hotel and done all that. But, like, they closed a the bar tonight, you know. Even though we were hotel guests, there was a feeling, I think, that, like, you know, they didn't want photos of the, the, the people out drinking or whatever from Kane. So there was no bar in our final night. We stayed in a hotel with no bar. So it was just, there was no, there was none of the, the, the kind of the crack you usually have. There was none yeah. of that. So, now the people I worked with were really nice and the, the time I spent with them was brilliant and they all worked so hard and we didn't close down. But but was it fun? It wasn't really, I hope, honestly, I hope season two will be more fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because, as of today, masks are kind of gone compulsory and it'll just be yeah. a bit easier, you know. You'll get it. you'll get to have a double rap party this year and that'll be even we messier. Will have, we will get and like an extra big one, hopefully. Like yeah. I'm just like look, we'll be looking back on this when the next variant comes out. We'll oh, shut God, no. I know. Yeah. So uh I'm afraid to say anything, but I do hope this this time. Also, we'll be shooting in the the summer this time, which means standing on set will be a bit warmer and stuff like that. So there'll be lots of things that are to, that are good about it this time so yeah but i was yeah. really thrilled to get a made. but it wasn't it wasn't tons of fun yeah is the is the plan for season two for another eight episodes yes yeah eight hours yeah and when do you think that'll be out best but probably springtime again would it be it would like last time we shot 
like over winter and we came out in the autumn, like in September. Mm. This time we're shooting a bit later. So I'd say it'll come out in the first quarter. Now, this is just me guessing. Yeah. So it, I think it'll come out in the first quarter of 2023. So possibly this time next year, you know, or, or a bit earlier even, you know. But I think that's the plan that we will deliver. So maybe January, February next year it'll be on. on yeah. In American on here. Yeah. And in in terms of the time scale then, did this air slightly earlier in America than it did here? It, yeah, it, it aired three days earlier every week. So okay. we went out on a Thursday in America and on a Sunday in Ireland. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> and then we went out just after we finished on Viaplay in Northern Europe. And we've gone out in kind of Australia and in Holland and lots of other places. So it's gradually gone out afterwards. But but our first kind of screening was on a Thursday night on AMC in America. Yeah. And if you were to sum up the reception you've got from the American audience, what would it be like? It was really, really good now. Like, you know, we were we were because AMC are a bit like Netflix, where they don't give you the data when you're going on. RTE would, like on a Monday, we would get the viewing. So I could look if I wanted, and I could see like a chart almost that goes up and down like that. And you can see where it dips like in an ad break or, yeah. you know, it goes up because such and such or whatever. So you can follow the exact kind of like, you know, the, the attention of your audience and all that kind of stuff. In America, they don't get that. The, the streamers don't give you those information. But we did find out afterwards that Ken was like, besides their Walking Dead franchise, it was the, the biggest show on the streamer that year. And it had brought in loads of new subscriptions. So it had done really well for them. Like, and we didn't know what, we were nervously waiting to find out. It had been doing really, really well. The other thing that it did, which which I guess helped us get renewed and all that, is it built an audience week on week. So it would have started kind of, cause AMC is, you know, it would have started would now be known. It would have been wouldn't have been the same fuss in America, maybe as there is in Ireland because of a big show and all that, where there's new shows every week in America. Yeah. So exactly. like you're competing with so many things. But it would have started with an audience and every week we would have built our audience. We would have brought people back. They can also tell as well as like if you sign up for AMC and the first show you watch is straight away is Kin, they know that that's why you signed up. So we would they could see how many new subscribers we brought in and all that. So we did really well, really, yeah. really well. And the response was really good. And and it's been growing since. Like they, they've had a big, big, it still does very well for them and it's bringing in new customers. So we hope we can build on that again for the second season. Yeah, it's kind of like no matter how much shows there is in America that something fresher coming from Europe kind of is an eye-opener as well. I had um, Paul Michael Glazer on this show last year and he was telling yeah. me that he watches mostly european and british shows now for that reason he thinks that everything mm -hmm. that's made over here is a lot better than what's been made in america he thinks america is too um reality based and i suppose you can see that as well in a lot of shows coming out over there you can and like you know and it's funny it's amazing you i remember him as a child and um, when I was young watching uh, Starsky and Hutch, yeah, and I think actually I had a model of the Starsky and Hutch car, the red car with the white thing along the side. <laughs> I, I love Starsky and Hutch, but anyway, um, yeah, and look, loads of people I know would have kind of contacted me about it in America. We know from as well, like, like Charlie, who's got lots of friends in America, a lot of people he worked with would have like rang up and said how good they thought it was this year when we're going looking for directors and looking for people to work on the show it's much easier it's much easier to be able to show them and it's much easier where last time like we the way the, the model worked is like Bronner studio and they put the money up front 
So they will put the money into the show and on the hope that they can sell it. They're taking a kind of a gamble. They develop the show, they make yeah. it, and they hope they can sell it. So when we were casting and we were hiring directors and all that, we had RTE and Viaplane, a few others, but we didn't have an American network yet. We were, and we would say to them, "We're making it for an American, net, uh, the American market." And they go, "Well, where? Who's your broadcaster?" And we go, "Well, we haven't got one yet, but we're going to sell them there." And they're going, "Yeah, but who's your broadcaster?" And it was a kind of, and I remember speaking to one cast person. I'm not going to say which part it was, but we spoke to a person who's got a profile who loved the scripts and wanted to play the part. But when when I met the the, the person. Every few, like they'd say, this isn't just going to be like an Irish show. You are going to make it bigger. And I said, yeah, we're going to go out and, you know, and then it would go further. And they go, this isn't just going to be an Irish show, is it? And they said about four times to me. And in the end, they got offered a huge show in America and they couldn't do it anyway. But there was a feeling of kind of persuading people to come on board because we couldn't tell them where we were. We're yeah. now going back and saying we're an AMC original and all that. It makes it much easier. And, yeah. you know, it's a kind of, an AMC is a very good network. So it's huge network. Kind of almost, yeah, it, it, it's kind of like, a seal of quality or whatever so you know it's gone well but uh yeah it would like i think it's gone down very well like obviously we'd like to grow our audience bigger and we'd like it to be huge do you know what i mean and hopefully we can grow our audience again for season two and for the the audience over here like it was it was probably like i suppose the biggest show in that bracket since love hate really and what resonated oh, yeah. what resonated with me was it like um no. you pick well, up the normal people would be yeah. normal people was a huge show and a huge success and all that. So I would have said, you know, like there was love, hate, and then possibly normal people and then mm. kid. Do you, do you know what I mean? They're, those yeah. are three shows. Yeah. I just remember because I work in a shop and I'd go in and I'd after watching the show on Sunday and the fucking whoever was dead or whatever would be on the front page of the Irish newspaper on a Monday. Surely that doesn't happen in any other country. No. And it's funny, and I should read, I was cutting, it's made me wary. I did an interview on KCLR, uh, but just because they rang me up, and I live in Kilkenny, and I've lived here for 20 years, and I kind of feel like, same with you, is when someone from Kilkenny asked me to do something, I feel kind of like, yeah, yeah, let's do it, it's local. And, you know, and I did an interview, and it was with Sunan, and it was fine. I drove over and I did it. And then we, Two weeks ago, they were saying, are you writing anything? And I said, yeah, I'm writing the next season. We don't know what whether it's going to happen or not. And then one day I wake up, and on the front page of The Sun is a picture of me going, Peter McKenna says he's writing the next season. And wow. they basically found it online and taken my and split it over two days. And over two days, they had like quotes from me and all this kind of stuff. And it does make you wary. And I know one of the directors, they'd be taking his, like, he tweets, something on Twitter and they turn it into a story. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, So it yeah. does make, I've never encountered that before. So it was that kind of thing was weird. And, and also, you know, you'd be out, like, like, like my wife works on TV and we were at a family communion and she was chatting to like a relative, an elderly relative uh, of the, her, her brother and her sister-in-law. And they were saying, when's your show back? And she's going, it's back in October. And the woman was saying, oh, look, I can't wait. I love your show, blah, blah, blah. She goes, not like that filth kin. <laughs> so it was kind of like, not knowing the connection at all. So Helen was laughing, but it, 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 it was that kind of thing. And, and I found, the other thing I found weird, if I'm being totally honest, which I, I've worked on loads of shows and I've done loads of things and 
you know, but I've never had it like this where people would come up and tell me what they don't like about my show. And they would go like, this is shite or whatever. Or, Why did you do that? Or why well, want more? And I found that kind of a bit strange. I'd never really encountered that before. So that was, so it became, you know, like in terms of an Irish show, it had a big impact. Now, whether we can, hopefully we can keep it up in the second season and we can keep it going. And, you know, so we'll see what happens. But uh, it certainly did have a big impact and it was like a big adjustment for me, I suppose. Like I just, like I'm a writer and we're not like actors. We're just, we're behind the camera for a reason because we're kind of shy or whatever. So it's kind of, it was weird having my life and things like that. Yeah. Know, and people, people on Twitter going, Peter McKenna's a fucking idiot or whatever it was. You know, like, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't pay any attention to Twitter. No, I, I actually left Twitter eventually. Now, yeah, I, fuck no, that. No, that wasn't the reason I left, but I just was turning on. Good. But it was like, you know, you go on and people would tag me in tweets and slag me off. Yeah. So, or, you know, so anyway. And like I'd written Hidden Assets that came out a week afterwards. Yeah. It was really interesting because there was two reviews for Hidden Assets the first week. And one of them in, in the Irish Independent kind of said, I'm paraphrasing, kind of said, King was really good and Hidden Assets is good because of Peter McKenna. And then the Irish Times fella said, King was shite and Hidden Assets is shite because of Peter McKenna. Yeah. And like, you know, so it's kind of like, it was just like, this is just crazy. Do you, so that was, yeah. do you think that those shows just fell too close together? Maybe they should have spaced them out a little bit. Um. Well, look, I do think they felt, they felt, too close together and it was just random like, yeah the hidden assets was meant to film a year earlier but it got closed down because of covid mm-hmm. so that would have come out a year before i think look rt don't make tons of drama and like they had two dramas and autumn is the you know the drama time like like i think the hidden assets did really well like and it's done really it went on to bbc and it's done brilliantly on BBC Four, and it's done brilliantly on BBC Player. And a lot of people who didn't like Kin like Kin Nassau. So it's not yeah. like people would say I have a fair, and, and vice versa. Other people who don't like one like the other. And they're quite different shows. One, one is a fast-paced kind of thriller that has a lot of plot, but doesn't have... It, it doesn't focus on character. We made a choice not to put in, like, you know, the police officers have a broken marriage or a, a traumatic family situation. It's just these people trying to work on a mystery and, and let's make it surprising and twists and turns. Kin's the opposite. Kin has all the trauma. It's all kind of like people in their lives and their feelings and their whatever and like fighting with each other. So it's a lot more, um, I suppose it's got a lot more character stuff going on in it um, so they're very different in, in their model and like some people like one thing and some people like another and that was fine Yeah, I feel truthfully like there's so many great writers in Ireland I don't know if it's a good look really like I, I know I know why it happened because like those are the two that came up but I suppose I felt a bit like you know if it wasn't me I'd be thinking like if I wasn't Peter McKenna and I was a writer sitting in my room somewhere, I'd be thinking, oh my God, is there no other writers, but they're not making any shows. Do, 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 do you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. it does feel like you're hogging. And like I say that as someone like, you know, I've worked for 25 years, 26 years. And those are my first two shows that I've created on kind of on RTE. Like I've done Red Rock and I've done stuff in England and stuff, but those are the first two that just happened to come along at the same time. Yeah. And they started at different times. So it was a funny thing, but I kind of, you know, but they both did really well in RT. You're really happy. And there's going to be a second season. I shouldn't say this, should I? Well, there'll probably be a second there, there season. M- there might be. There might be. There might be a second season of it. Oh, no, that's so, going like, to be on the sun now. 
<laughs> anyway, I shouldn't I shouldn't give out about the sun because like um they're very good to me and like uh um the the writer who writes really nice guy who writes in the sun so like like really really nice so I I I, I shouldn't pick one paper it was just that that's where I ended yeah. up in the thing but like yeah it looks like so that'll come back as well so they've both done really well and they both rated really well and you know. But, but I kind of agree with you. It was kind of like, now yeah, here's Peter McKenna's show, and next week we've another Peter McKenna's show. I didn't think of it in that sense because they were both your shows. I just thought because they were both um, kind of crime shows. And I just, if if you kind of, if you were a casual viewer and you were kind of not paying attention to the two shows and Kin finished one week and you didn't know, and then you turned on Hidden Assets, you might think that it's the same show. Well, you, yeah, you, you could. Know. But can I? Will I give you another? Will I give you another spin on it then? Like, yeah. I give you another point of view. Like, kid did very well, and people came back every week and watched TV, and they watched Irish drama on a Sunday night. Yeah. So you had got people into the habit of sitting down every Sunday night to watch Irish drama for eight weeks, and if you have another show coming along, that when you've got that, so you don't have to create the kind of like let's sit down. You have the slot in Ireland now there's a big gap between Irish dramas. So you have to kind of pull them in and then hold them on. So maybe, you know, having one straight after the other had got people into this kind of like Sunday night is Irish drama night. Yeah, and we sit down point. and watch things. And stuff. I, I don't know. When, you know. Yeah, that's a good that's, point as well. That's just one argument. I'm, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to be even-handed here. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, we're kind of pushed for time tonight, but it was a pleasure to talk to you today, man. I really wish you the best of luck with everything. And, we might talk uh, maybe in a few months and see how you're doing. Yeah, you have my email now. You can send me yep. an email. Yeah. Um, as I said, I, I, maybe we talk when Kin 2 is coming out and stuff like that, and we can chat about that. Yeah. It's been a pleasure, Morris. You too, Peter. Stay in touch. It's been really great. Yeah. Thanks so much. No problem. See you. Take care, Morris. Bye-bye see you, now. Peter. Thanks.